I keep saying this is the biggest thing, but that's one of the bigger things why I wanted to self-publish. I wanted to um, uh, promote on my own time and on my own terms and not wait for a contract. I made this book. I made it now. Now I want to just scream like I did this and you can get it. You know, it's for you. <laughs> Take it. And welcome to the Sneaky Art Podcast. I'm your host, Nishant Jain, back from a restful, invigorating vacation in the Netherlands. During my summer hiatus, I had opportunity to reflect, to think through and to experiment with some new ideas and to collect excellent feedback from super listeners. A special shout out to Anna Denise, Ellen and Vera in Utrecht, Srikant in Delft, Margot and Chloe in Den Haag, Malik and Emma in Zutphen and everybody else that I'm forgetting right now, it was so good and so useful to hear back from the people who have all this while been hearing from me. We are starting this new season with a special episode that I recorded just before going on vacation. It is a special episode because, in a sense, it validates all the work I've been trying to do as a podcaster. It validates a string of good ideas. Those who are good with numbers will see that this is episode 51 of the podcast. I can tell you that each episode was its own journey with its own motivations, causes and influences. That's 51 times that I have started with a single good idea to have good conversations. It was another good idea to begin the Sneaky Art Insider Club almost exactly one year ago. I reached out to listeners with the offer to support this show and in exchange for this generous insider support, I resolved to make some bonus content as a show of gratitude. One of the bonus episodes I recorded for insiders then was after recording episode 29 with Gosha Kuna last year. It is one of my more popular episodes and ardent listeners of the show will have no doubt heard it already. In the postscript segment, Gosha turns the tables and asks me about my self-publishing experience. And I tell her everything I learned from self-publishing Sneaky Art of Eau Claire and the lessons I gained from actually selling and distributing the book in the town of Eau Claire in Wisconsin. At the end of this little discussion, I suggested that she should try the same with her upcoming book idea. And Kosher loved this idea and decided to run with it. Just this throwaway good idea at the tail end of a long conversation made just for over a dozen supporters at that time, has now become a real book. This summer, I met Kosher in Amsterdam, where she gave me a copy of her new self-published book, Life is Better When You Draw It. As I say in the blurb, this book is the best way to overcome your hesitations and get started with sketching. I stand by that statement. Buy the book using the link in the episode description. In today's episode, Kosher and I reconnect at the end of July, just before this book was released, just before I would see her in Amsterdam, and talk about the experience and process of putting things together. If you are an artist or a writer, 
And if you're curious about the trade-offs between independent and traditional publishing, I think this episode will be very useful to you. I'm excited to get started. Welcome, listeners, to the new season of the Sneaky Art Podcast. Let's go. Uh, the title is um, Life is Better When You Draw It. And I put it between brackets mm -hmm. because life is better when you draw but also when you draw mm -hmm. life. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> I need to actually explain all that. I don't think so. <laughs> I like it. I like the title. Uh, when yeah, when is it, when? What is the release date? Well, I am aiming for mid-July. Um, mm -hmm. I am still very afraid of saying an actual date because I don't know what kind of obstacles I'm still going to um, need to overcome. But it, if if everything goes as expected, I hope that when I get back from my uh, drawing trip in Paris, uh, I can uh, put it online and that would be around the 14th of July. So there you go. There's a date. All right. So what's the, <laughs> what's the uh, status right now? Why are you unsure? What are the things that are left to do or to organize? Well, the status is very far and I can hardly believe that I'm I've come this far really <laughs> it's, it's like sort of a dream but um the status is that I got my uh, printed proof printed printed proof print proof what mm -hmm. is this called in mm -hmm. English it's the print proof a print proof thank you um I got that in and uh I've looked at it a lot of times I went through it with the designer I saw it in other people's hands, which was actually the best thing to see, like people mm -hmm. going through it. And um, the designer has made some adjustments. We are changing the paper. And now uh, the, the, my friend who is editing it all is doing one last final, final, final round of proofreading. <laughs> so if she catches any typos or other stuff, we're going to take that out. And then... Um, then it's done. It's ready for the rest of the world. Uh huh. And how does it how does it go out to the rest of the world? What is the the mechanism for selling and people buying it? Yeah. So um, I am, as you know, self publishing, and I uh, decided on um, doing it uh, print on demand. So I'm not like. Uh, getting a whole batch of books and then s distributing it myself. So uh, I found this British company called Bookfold, and they um, uh, they let you upload the whole book file, uh, and then you can ch pick and choose the um, uh, online retailers where they can be sold, like Amazon, and then there's like you know, Europe and in the Netherlands and in all these kinds of different. Um, uh, countries, there's different ones. So they have all like two hands full of those. So that's where I'll start. And, um, after that, I'll see if I want to try and get them in shops as well. I know I will see. I'm just really happy if it's out there and that people can just <laughs> click and buy on Amazon. That's like already the best thing, you know? 
yeah. that's my my main goal that people can actually receive it in the mail so yeah 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 that's so cool uh let's get into the details of that uh print on demand sounds really interesting uh this is not what i did before and i sometimes feel like that would have been so great to not have this hassle of stocking the book and uh, delivering and packaging and all of those things but uh, there's a there's a financial trade off here right like i think amazon uh, now takes maybe is it 30% or something like that of of the sale price is that right you know that i did not research that exactly i just looked into that because i didn't have a lot of choice when i wanted to distribute worldwide and not have the headache of uh, distributing myself so once I found this British company, they have this model where you can put in how many, you know, how many books and where it goes to, and then you can actually see how much uh, you need to, you know, you need to pay upfront or how much it costs to, um, uh, to have it printed. But at the, at the bottom of the, uh, what's it called? One of the last. I'm not sure what is actually kept by Amazon. And of course, there's all these different kinds of platforms. So, and I have to say, just now I had a conversation with a friend of mine who also uh, has published books, or actually she was published. I told her, I'm just so happy, you know, if I can get the the money that I that I put in it, you know, the investment that I put in it, put in it if that's just like equal and I'm I'm happy with that, but the most uh, the biggest goal I have for this is that this book is actually going to be sent around the world and uh whatever, you know, whatever I get from it financially, that's great, but I never started this to you know to make a lot of money or whatever. So yeah. But for some people, that's really strange. Like, you don't even know the percentages. I'm like, no, I don't. I just wanted to make this book. And, you know, I just go with whatever I can do here. So, right. I, yeah. So, uh, some uh, several months ago, we spoke about self-publishing. And back then, you were thinking about what you want to do with this book idea you have. And we would, we recorded yeah. a conversation about the pandemic and how you sh uh, shifted your whole life around it and then it led to all these different creative expressions so mm -hmm. since then like let's let's move forward from after this conversation how was the decision around self-publishing versus seeking up your publisher how did you uh, did you consult anyone else did you speak with others what was the thought process for you to commit to this route yeah well the conversation that i had with you was so valuable <clears throat> and just um, getting that and that feeling of a spark around like, wow, I can actually do this. I could do this myself, you know, and then I have all the control. And of course, I also have all the work and all the decisions to make. But um, it just it just felt right as an entrepreneur to do it myself. I was like, I think I can do this. I don't know what it entails. Um, I don't know how long it will take, but uh, let's. Let's try this. I did speak with people who are published um, authors and also people who self-published. Um, so just to, you know, to find out if there were any more pros and cons that I didn't know about it. 
But with these kinds of things, I um, also think that when it feels right, you're probably on the right track. So, yeah. So I just followed my, uh, yeah, my intuition there. And um, yeah, I'm still really happy that I did. I mean, I, of course, I had some ups and downs in the process, like, how am I going to fix this? And things that needed a lot of work and research that I didn't really feel like doing, like, oh, if I would have a, a publisher or an agent, then they would have done this for me. But you get through that and it's part of a process, I think. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just really super happy that the book looks like exactly what I want it to be, you know? And um, that I have had all the control about the chapters and the writing and the, you know, I could just bug my, um, 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 my uh, designer, sorry, I could bug her like endlessly, like, could you move that a little bit to the left and should we change this? And she was like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, that's fine. Or she would be like, no, we're not going to do that. So, um. It was just really great to have all the control in all these assets of the bookmaking. And of course, the whole, the whole creative part of it was the most fun. And then there's all the yucky stuff about researching and finding that, that British company, that was like a big thing. Yeah, I, I didn't, at some point, I just didn't know how to do it. I was like, okay, so I guess I just need to get a thousand copies printed and put them in my basement and then send them to wherever in the world am I really going to do this I just don't want to it's actually not, not really an option so <laughs> so finding that company was like one of the bigger milestones and yeah I don't know where this that was a long-winded answer I don't even know what your question is well, uh, this is sort of what I want to know, like uh, these, obst uh, so the, the immediately the creative independence that you get from uh, deciding to self-publish and then you make the book how you want to make the book. So that is uh, immediately apparent to a lot of people that you would tell about self-publishing. But some of these obstacles, people don't foresee some of these quests, having to have answers for some of these questions is not what someone thinks is their job as the author or the artist behind a book. So mm -hmm. I'm interested to know about these, these different questions that you were debating. And I was, I broke this whole process of uh, thinking about the book and then having the book into your hand in uh, four or five steps. And oh, great. I was, uh, so let's, let's go over it one at a time. Let's go right yeah. to the start to the concept of the book. So uh, I remember we spoke about how when you are self publishing versus you are traditionally publishing. There mm -hmm. is also a toss, uh, like a trade-off between what book is it going to be then? And yeah. I am sort of in that place right now because I want to make a book about Vancouver, but I feel like uh, the fastest and the most effective way to do it is to self-publish it. But I also am getting a lot of very good advice from a lot of very smart people that I it is time for me to find a publisher. Right. And I shouldn't spend at this stage of my work, too much time physically selling my book and uh, working around it. And I should be uh, maximizing the utility of the network or the larger distributive access it would give me. And so I am caught in this thing that 
if i were to go with if i were to first i not go with but find a publisher interested in my work mm-hmm. i would have to be suitably ambitious in what i wanted to make with them and it would it could not maybe then be this little book about vancouver that i want to make right and uh, this is this is my current uh, quandary trying to figure out what should i do which way should i go and i can't mm. keep trying to go in both directions so the concept of the book is something that makes me very curious uh, did that change at all for you when you decided okay self publishing i'm doing it myself so therefore my book will be well i th- i actually think that part of the concept of the book was the reason that i wanted to self publish because i um i got um uh, some rejections and most of the reasons that i got back from for the rejection was that there were already so many books out there about around drawing um and that it's a crowded market and we are not sure if we can actually sell this and you know that kind of story um so I was like yeah that's true it's a crowded market i mean i've been looking at other people's books to you know find out what i want my book to be like um and there was also one publisher who was or an editor at a publishing company who was interested uh in but she said it would only make sense for them to publish it if i would invite other uh, artists as well uh, into the book to show their drawings and to share their stories and um you know i think it um it like the the handbooks from the urban sketchers you know there's always a whole like very uh, very much um a mix of um of art from different artists while there's one writer one urban sketcher who makes the point and that was exactly not what i wanted to do and i think that is important if you have a certain goal for your book and a certain vision for the for the book then it might be or at least like a core value or a core kind of a goal i think then you uh can it it might be easier to decide if you can do any concessions or compromises uh or if or if it then goes too far away from you know your initial idea so um and my goal was to finally finally write that book that i you know people had been saying to me like you should write a book and for me it, it probably if i would have done a draw tip tuesday kind of a book like tips for drawing probably a publisher would have been interested in that but right. that's exactly not what i wanted to do because i already have right you know found the right format for that and that's video in mean, weekly videos <laughs> yeah so, so um yeah i think for me the goal was really to um to get my story out and uh and that my stories can be really encouraging to people in the drawing community um but then you know not not everybody thinks that my voice is that important if you are you know a big publishing company you're like yeah well that's great your stories but then what so i'm i'm just thinking that there's this uh friction here between what is the audience that the publisher sees for your book mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. the audience that you see for your book exactly. and the audience that they see has not very much to do with the fact that you have a youtube channel and that there are people who follow your art they are seeing exactly. more a larger demographic which is served by x number of books coming out every year and of course the urban sketching books and the how to draw and how to do this or how to specifically pick up this uh, skill those genre of books sell certain number of copies and those are the kind of statistics they fall back on to make these decisions but that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with your audience so exactly. making your book of course when you're doing it on your own terms the first thing is it has to satisfy you it has to meet all of your personal uh, check marks yes. but yes. then the next the immediate next person is your ideal audience member maybe like one person you have amalgamated those thousands of people down into who mm-hmm. gets so was this a thing for you did you think about this is the thing that you know like you mentioned draw tip tuesday so you are aware that there is a certain thing that i'm already serving my audience with they get it in videos they get it every week there is a yeah. certain thing i'm giving to my audience with instagram and where does the book fit into that so how did you how did you see this how did you see your audience how did you see the role of the book in between everything else um well a book is really different than something you know scrolling through instagram and seeing something that might be a pop of inspiration uh, you know in in the feed um it's also very different than video um off screen you can learn a lot and i also know for a fact that a lot of uh, people in my audience love books about drawing because i mean we all do you love you know going through other people's sketchbooks and that was really from the beginning one of the ideas of my book i wanted it to have more drawings than text i wanted it to feel like you're going through my sketchbooks so i have a lot of drawings in there for my archive and well it turned out that i did have a lot to say so there is also quite some writing in it but um yeah just having like a something that you can hold in your hand and that you can just read a bit from or read it all in one go that is felt to me like um an addition to what i can serve to my audience um so that's kind of the reason um that uh I I started this book and also like you said like you kind of have a persona in your head for whom you are writing it so you have a certain mm-hmm. tone of voice and the funny thing is that uh, Suzanne who has been my editor uh, she's a very good friend of mine and she said I am going to edit your book that's just because I need this book so I'm going to help you get this to to make it you know and so she actually became sort of my persona as well because she is one of those people who doesn't draw for her profession or anything she just loves drawing but sometimes she forgets to make time for it so she needs that push and she needs a little bit of encouragement and she be, needs to be reminded like you can do this and it's fine it's just pen on paper just have some fun so that was really interesting that that the other text also became my audience or the other way around yeah this start. is actually great luck because this is absolutely perfect to have someone who is qualified to be editor uh, yeah. enthusiastic to take on the the role 
and yep. fits as your uh, potential audience and i love this audience you know like so a large number of the listeners of this show also fit into this and yeah. so many uh uns- like uh, we don't speak uh, we don't hear about them in the central groups but so many the bulk of the urban sketching community is this people who do lots of other things but who still want to and try to find time in their life to bring art into their life and exactly. i think that is such an such an incredible thing that they do and it is such a good thing to be able to have that person as your audience not only in terms of making lots of sales uh, you know being quote unquote successful because i think there are so many more of those people there than actual full time artists but also i think this is almost a more noble goal in a in a strange way like to to help the people who are tr- like is isn't it so great that someone who has other things to do who is not an artist who has legitimate other and perhaps important other things to do is trying to find time for art in their life that's ridiculous how often mm-hmm. do you see that this like i think people like this are so special and so valuable that these are the people i try to meet in every urban sketching meetup like i want to know these guys why why are you doing this this is so amazing yeah yeah it's true and at the same time i mean you and i know that there's so many people like this and at the same time it's same time it's also the problem with this book that a publisher is like okay so it's not art instruction but then what is it and i that was one of the things i did not want to write a book with art instruction like okay so you do like a body and then a head and four legs mm-hmm. and you have drawn a horse okay when are you drawing a horse i mean why would it spoil the horse of course there's and there's people who really enjoy that but if it if it comes to urban sketching drawing from observation there are so many obstacles in our heads like okay so a horse should look like this or a building should look like this but if you manage to get rid of the shoots and you allow yourself to just enjoy the the playing time that you that you give yourself then the magic happens on you know on your paper even if it's wonky and wobbly and it doesn't look like anything you still have given yourself that gift of time and of creativity and then next time maybe it looks a little bit better or it looks still wonky it's all fine and um yeah i and but it's really really hard to explain that to an editor at a publishing company who really wants to put things in like categories and it's like what is it maybe yeah, it should yeah, be a lot of help you know instead of a creative <laughs> I don't a know. lot of categories are sort of <laughs> mixing nowadays right like these categories it's are it's not so easy to keep them separated i think it was easier when this was a top down system when it was clearly in the hands of publishers to decide what are genres who is getting published and therefore not only are they getting published but who is coming in the public eye so mm-hmm. there is this very significant amount of curation that would happen before any book could come out and mm-hmm. now we have upended the system completely because now you and artists like you reach audiences directly on social media and other ways and right. then you build your you've built your market and now the publisher is coming in just to potentially fulfill a role in your relationship with the readers that you already have 
Yeah. And that's a very different equation. And I don't know if, and I don't have a, a lot of experience, but I feel like this is the big shift in publishing now, at least in these, like, uh, have you heard of this? Uh, so it's called the the long tail of the creator economy. So mm-hmm. if you look at the slope of who makes how much money and then the money trails off and there is this long tail in the graph. And the idea is that this long tail is where most independent creators will be. And that they do not need to be the ones at the peak selling the most because that's the mainstream success. So if you look at pop stars, if you look at the top authors of our times, that's their success. Mm -hmm. But the idea of the people publishing independently and the people sustaining themselves on the internet is that there is a long tail now and that long tail is uh, sustainable. That long tail is sustainable because of these direct interactions that creators or creatives have with their audience and therefore they build their own market, which has nothing to do with what else is on the Barnes and Noble bookshelf. Because anybody who buys your book is more likely to buy it because they know about you from social media than that they are wandering through a bookstore and yours was the best book they could find. Right, right. The second situation was the default, but it's not the situation anymore. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And that's also one of the things that uh, was making me decide to self-publish because I was like, okay, so there's like a certain status if you are a published artist or author, which I can call myself (laughs) now, (laughs) an author. Um, And also uh, that your book is on the shelves in the bigger, you know, in the bigger shops. And I was like, do I need my, you know, thousands of books to be distributed in shops? No, I just want those, you know, there's like 1,500 people on my email list who are waiting for this book. Well, if even a third of these people would buy my book, I would be so happy because that is the person I have written this book for. (laughs) So that's, yeah, and I think that is really the, um, a, a difference in in approach because it's not that the default has changed. It's true. Yeah, yeah. And such a good point. These are the people, the, the true fans are the people that you have written this book for. So right. with them in mind, tell me a little bit about how you approach the design of this book. Like how is it broken into chapters or sections? What is the idea of how this this ideal reader, how should they use this book? Yeah. Okay, so um, you can basically just uh, start at any chapter. Um, uh, the chapter is broken down or, or the book is broken down in uh, different chapters from, uh, well, it starts with tools. It's about making time. Um, I have a chapter about the inner critic, procrastination, um, traveling and what to do with your travel companions. Uh, what else? Um, I'm blanking out on my own book now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also recurring topics like what are the things that interest you? You will see them coming back again and again in your um, in your sketchbook, and that's different for for everybody. I have a weird combination of recurring topics, which is food my husband, my own face, and my feet. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh. Well, yeah. I think this I mean... <laughs> is a large part of this is uh, because of it sounds like this is such a pandemic book. <laughs> Partly it is, but it's true. I mean, I I um I am a bit of a homebody even before the pandemic, so there's all a whole bunch of things that um that I draw at home, but then on the other on the flip side of that there's a lot of cafe sketches and you would think that I would sit in cafes and bars and restaurants all day if you got my drawings. Um, so yeah, but anyway, it's about, um, uh, recurring topics. And actually the point behind that is that it doesn't matter what you draw as long as you just draw. And so you don't need to find a very meaningful subject to enjoy the process and then also, once you start drawing something, some observation, something that's on your table, in front of you, as soon as you start drawing it, it becomes interesting, it becomes important, it becomes part of your story in your sketchbook. So, um, so that's in the chapters, in the, in the book. And um, uh, how to get out of a rut. So, yeah, I think I covered most of the chapters. Um, so reading it, I think just from the beginning to the end would be great, but you can just, you know, if you're like, I need inspiration, you can just flip through, uh, to one of the, uh, chapters that, um, seems inspiring. Uh, they, it's not like one flowing story. There's, I share stories that, you know, experience that I had, um, things that I learned through my sketchbook practice. And there's, uh, there's also a lot of, um, sort of, there's not really tips, but I did in the design, we decided to have small frames, which say, uh, try this. And then there's some suggestions like you could do this and here's a quick uh, thing to solve something, you know? So it's not really tips. It's no instruction, but there are like small pushes, like, yeah, you can do this today, <laughs> like, right like now. Like a little prompt. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so, um, of course, you've done so many creative jobs. You've pursued uh, so many creative uh, activities in in your life. Mm. So, uh, tell me about this process, going back and forth with your editor, writing, and then thinking about how much to write versus how much to have as images. How how was what was that like? Well, I started writing the chapters before they were chapters as sort of as blog articles, because I do know how to write a blog article, but you know, also I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just writing whatever, you know, but, um, so that's how, how it started to grow into something that could become a book. And, uh, when Suzanne stepped in, uh, I already had them like sort of, uh, morphed into chapters and, um, then we started to really look at the chapters and how to uh, shorten things. She really did a lot of, you know, grammar um, because I, I'm not, I'm not English, <laughs> not American. It's not my first language. So she, I, I learned a lot from her, like, well, you need to change this. And, um, but also shortening things like she, because if you have written like many chapters and you've combine things and you've taken things out then at some point you you don't really see see everything that clear anymore and she was like well I actually already sort of uh, read this piece only in different wording in the other chapter so 
she could really help me with that. Like, okay, this needs to be cut and then we can combine this. Um, so that was very, very helpful. And then once we were starting to get the design in, I, um, realized that I had actually written way more than initially I wanted to, because I wanted more drawings than text in the, in the book. And I didn't want it to become a very, um, heavy book because it has to be shipped and I want it to be, um, available for everyone. And, uh, you know, it has to be, um, shouldn't be like a very expensive book. So, um, so then we actually really killed some darlings, as you say, <laughs> like, okay, we need to cut this chapter into just one, one page, or maybe we can combine this chapter. And I just also took out a whole chapter, like, okay, it pains me, but I think we can do without. And then the balance right. in the book became so much better and it, it felt so much lighter and there was more air. It was too dense. Um, right. And maybe even now there are parts uh, like, I think I already said that in another chapter, but, but some things are good to repeat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to reinforce. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times everything is interesting when you draw it is in the book. That sentence, mm -hmm. everything is interesting when you draw it. <laughs> you need to remind people. <laughs> I I agree. I think that that is something that uh, is useful repetition. People need it. But I, I found interesting something you said, like uh, thinking of, uh, look, how many words you put in versus the art and then uh, weighing that against what your previous uh, idea for the book was. And then having to mm -hmm. sometimes kill your darlings, like some really good words, some really good lines have to go away. Some really nice chapters are no longer there. Like at least I like you have to cut out so many things and you are now considering all of these pragmatic aspects. Like how heavy is it going to become? How affordable exactly. will it be? Yeah. And these are not these are not creative concerns per se. Like these are the logistics and the pragmatism aspect of who is now going to buy it. If I do indulge myself creatively as much as I want, if I don't kill my darlings, so to say, then who is going to be left to be able to buy this book, which will become this thick and therefore this much more expensive? Exactly. Do I want this to become a coffee table book, you know, with a nice hardcover? No, I don't. So then, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you have to make creative choices in that because of that. And, but on the other hand, um, I mean, it's hard to then take out a whole chapter, but then if you see that the result is like, oh, okay, so it's less dense, there's more air in the book, it's a good decision. I still have that content and I'll make it into a video or I'll make it into a blog post. You know, I can always use whatever I've written. It's not like I crumple it up and I throw it away. I'll reuse it. It's fine. You yeah. know, I don't, yeah. I don't really cling to things that much. Like, well, I've written mm -hmm. it now. I have to use it. I think that's, that's definitely part of a creative process. Like you have to mm -hmm. dare to make decisions that maybe are a little bit painful. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you've had a lifetime as an artist to drill this lesson into yourself that sometimes things that just because they felt good doesn't mean they have a right to stay or to belong or to remain that way. So exactly. those kind of creative sacrifices uh, are kind of part of the game. 
and it's been that way for so long. So I'm curious to now just parse this portion of it. Like, why not a coffee table book? Why the other? And what did you see as the benefit in the other? Well, let's start with a very practical one, costs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is more expensive to have a hardcover. I love hardcover books. It feels great. It looks great. It feels a little bit luxury. Um, I love them. But, uh, well, uh, I was doing this myself, so, or I am doing this myself. So I wanted to, uh, be sure that it wouldn't be too expensive to have this book made even before I knew how I was going to have it printed and distributed. But also thinking about everything that I've done in the past, say, 10-ish years, I always want the things that I, um, you know, my videos, the things that are right, um, the things that we did at sketchbook school, I wanted it to be, um, available for as many people as possible. So, mm-hmm. and that's also, you know, my draw tip Tuesday videos, it's a free weekly video that has quite some value if I may say so myself, but I do want to keep them free because I know that it's not, you know, art is not that affordable for everyone. So. That to me is a very, very important core value. So it only makes sense to not have a hardcover book. And that's why the proof of the book, the, the printed proof has like thinner, quite thin pages because I was like, well, then it's thinner and it's uh, easier to send. It's less expensive for people to get it sent to their home. Uh, mm-hmm. but actually it's, it's a little bit too, um, see-through. So. I am choosing for just a little bit heavier pages, but, um, yeah, all those, uh, well, basically design choices were made because of the practical aspects of it. And also like, yeah, I want it to be affordable. That's just important to me. And then of course there's the benefit of sustainability. Uh, if the book is, is lighter, it's, um, you know, sending it over the, uh, uh, of the world, it will be, um, well, a little bit better for the environment than when it's a very heavy book. It's a tiny speck, you know, but I, I still think it, it, it fits into my values, personal values as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love that answer. All of those things are so such important concerns. And I think about what a great thing it is for the author to be able to control for all of these things to be able to say that I want it to be accessible to this wide a market and therefore this and this and this needs to change about it yes such a such a it it, would describe this feeling to me having this control is it, it like do you enjoy it do you feel like it's too much work of course I enjoy it it's really great to know that you can tweak until you're satisfied. That's also a problem because I mean, my Tosca, the designer, she must have hated me at some point because I kept coming back. Like, can we do this? Can we, I don't know. And it was horrible, but she has been very, very patient with me. And, uh, but no, yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think it's really great overall. I'm, uh, it makes me very happy. And yes, there were a few periods in almost two years time of this whole process 
where I was like, just, I, I, I wish I had an agent. I wish I had a publisher because now I have to do all of this myself. Ugh. But, um, then you just sit down and you do it and it's fine. You know, you overcome that. And then after that, there's the, the sweets, uh, of, you know, working together with the designer who actually lives like a few streets from here, basically. So we can have coffee and look at the stuff together. So, yeah. And I you can bother that... them in their home as well. <laughs> just ring them bell. <laughs> I just thought of a new design. I'm here again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but absolutely. I, especially because I have always uh, worked as an entrepreneur. I don't know. I probably, I would have been really happy working with a publisher as well. I don't, I can't say that. I, I don't know because I don't have the experience, but overall, I'm really happy with this decision and with this whole process. Yeah. yeah. It's a great yeah. experience too. You know, I've learned so much. Tell me about some of those things. What, what's the learning aspect been like? Well, how many, uh, different, uh, aspects there are when you are actually publishing a book that there's a lot of research involved uh, i learned a lot about the english language uh, about design about um, uh, design choices you know making the choices of um the you know curating my own art uh, i had some you know at the very beginning i had like curated some drawings that would be like uh, the basis of a chapter or something. And a lot of those didn't make the book in the end, because once I saw it in a design, I was like, it's not working at all. I need different kinds of drawings. And luckily I have many, many sketchbooks on my shelves. So I had like this huge library of, uh, of drawings. Um, scanning art is also uh, a lot of work. <laughs> it's something I learned. That's one of those things that I kept putting off, like, oh, I need to get high resolution, uh, scans of the art. And then do I curate first or do I scan first? Yeah. But, um, what else did I learn? Um, that you just need to have some grit and just keep going and also just take it step by step because. I am really happy that I didn't know all the hurdles and all the obstacles that I'm going to, that I was going to get, you know, when I started, I, I knew like, okay, self-publishing, it, it won't be easy, but I didn't know what it was. So every time I got through like one of the next hurdles, like, okay, so I need to find a designer. How do I do this? How do I decide how much money should I, how, what, you know? And once I decided on self-publishing. I was like, do I need to maybe start a Kickstarter campaign? How does that work? Do I want to add that to the whole project of the book and also add a project that's a Kickstarter campaign? So there's a lot of things that I had to consider um, and then I had to research. And then in the end, I decided I'm not going to do that Kickstarter thing because it just is, it feels like too much on top of managing the rest. And, um, and since I didn't have to order like a batch of books, I was like, okay, I, I can manage 
you know, the financial part of the paying the designer and all that. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that is a really clear answer, but um, yeah, just many different aspects. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, I love this aspect of it that, you know, it's good if you don't know everything. Like you don't Absolutely. know, uh, you don't anticipate what's coming because in one respect, it can make you a little hesitant about getting into things if you know too much about the obstacles. Like I feel like yeah. a certain amount of naivety is useful in order yeah. to accomplish big creative tasks. I agree. I agree. Yes. It's like, well, I've never done this, so I guess I can do it. You know, that kind of approach. And also uh, just the idea of how does one eat an elephant? Well, bite by bite. That's the saying, right? And I think that is really true. You just take it step by step. And in the end, you'll get there. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just want to, uh, for the record, I have never heard any saying about eating an elephant. Was it something that was new to me? I don't know. <laughs> but Maybe but I, just, I do agree that the the task of eating anything, <laughs> the task of eating anything is probably bite by bite. It's so I agree with the general principle, but I've never heard it applied to an elephant before. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you you chose certain art for certain uh, aspects of the book, and then you put them, and then you would find that they are not suitable anymore, and you would go through your past work to find something else that was more suitable. Mm -hmm. So mm. did this process bring you any more insight into your own work that you hadn't seen? Um, that's a good question. I am not sure. I do know that for some uh, pages, I actually created illustrations that I didn't have in my sketchbooks. Mm -hmm. um, so Tosca would ask me like, have anything that's like a little bit smaller or something that I can sprinkle around on the page. You know, if I have that in, you know, a sketchbook is kind of like um, limited. There's two pages and often I would, I use both pages. So there's always the, uh, the, the line in between the, the fold. Yeah. So yeah, I, I did um, create sprinkle artwork. That's how we called mm -hmm. it. <laughs> um, and I, I created some, uh, just a few bits and bobs, but mostly I could take it from uh, my archive. Um, I don't know if I really learned anything. I do have like some befores and afters kind of a thing in the book. Like, you know, six years ago, I would draw people like this. And now six years later, I feel more confident because. So, um, yeah, going through my sketchbooks, I would definitely see all that progress. And I knew about it, but it becomes more, it becomes more evident if you are really looking for it. Of course. So maybe that's one of the things that, yeah, that was really great to do, to see. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, now the book, uh, you, you asked for the paper the type to be changed. The book will yeah. be, uh, another proof print will be sent to you. And I assume, and then you will <laughs> look at that again, and then you will give hopefully a green light, and then the book is becomes ready for people to buy, and then it is printed on demand. Tell yeah. me uh, about this upcoming phase. Now, again, you may not know everything about it, but what are the things that are exciting? What are the things that are a little uh, nerve wracking about this mm -hmm. phase of presenting, uh, talking about, and uh, 
having your book sell? Well, one of the things that I've been sort of, that have been in my blind spot, and I actually kept it sort of in my blind spot, <laughs> is promoting <laughs> the book. And right. um, so I've been promoting it on my Instagram and on YouTube and, you know, in a sort of uh, organic feeling kind of way. Um, I feel like I could do so much more. I mean, get interviews, uh, find places where, you know, it can be promoted. I just like with the, uh, with finding publishing companies very in the very beginning, I feel that same sort of hesitancy because I don't really know where to start. I don't really have a plan. I like the organic part of it like you know um i'll just first bring it to my audience and then i'll see what's next and maybe that is the right way to do it or maybe in the next couple of weeks i will get some ideas and i will set things up you know i mean mm -hmm. i have an interview with you right now so that's already part <laughs> of a promotion plan um <laughs> apart from that it's a great conversation anyway but uh, so um, I think that is one of the, the stumbling blocks ahead. Like, okay, so how am I actually going to sell this thing now, it, now that it's done? Because I've been so uh, focusing on making the thing that I sh should not forget to actually sell it. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, that's something that, um, that needs a bit of a plan, but, um, yeah, yeah just going to work on yeah, that. I, I think it's not so much even, I know. Uh, forgetting or not wanting to sell it, it's almost that uh, you run out of creative energy and you feel like yeah. finishing the, surely this is enough. Like, surely I have done what I needed to do and now That's these things it. should carry it. But I think in this independent publishing game, uh, you are only halfway done. The yeah. second half is the real, like how you sell it. And all of these things, they, they don't have clear answers. And no. that's a good thing and a bad thing. So there's this there's this thing that I said uh, on a recent conversation with someone. I said that uh, the uh, the bad news is that there is no formula to be successful as an artist. Yeah. And the good news is that there is no formula to be successful as an artist. <laughs> like that. So uh, these ideas of how you're going to sell it, they really that there, there is no standard for an independently published book with someone who has a YouTube and an Instagram audience and an audience of people who have followed their work through workshops, et cetera, et cetera, real life mm -hmm. networks and uh, virtual networks. There is no, there's no template. It's literally the things that you can come up with and the things yeah. that are interesting and exciting to you. And therefore you do them with energy and vigor and therefore they work. That is exactly it. You need to feel excitement about it. And also one of, that's uh, something that came up when you were saying like, okay, so you're actually just halfway through because now the book is done, but that's halfway. Um, it's true, but also I don't feel an urgency to sell it now, 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 you know, I'm like, this book is out now and I can keep selling it. 
So there's not like a real urgency for a big book launch or anything like that. The timing isn't great either because it's like July when it's coming out and people are going on vacation or are away. You know, people have actually told me like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't launch it and you shouldn't launch it in July, August, do it in September or October. I'm like, I'm not waiting. (laughs) I'm not going to wait. I've, that's what I've been told before as well that oh you should launch books in October and yeah. again that is tied into the uh, the traditional publishing cycle because it it is so. also tied into uh, their idea of when books sell most in bookstores but so it right. is uh, wrapped around a lot of these constraints which I don't think exactly exist in your case I don't know if they we'll do find out. I don't care you know yeah we'll find out yeah, and yeah. I can I can do another like festive uh, book launch again, again, launching party in October if I want to. I I can do whatever I like. And that's one of the biggest things also. I keep saying this is the biggest thing, but that's one of the bigger things why I wanted to self-publish. I wanted to um, uh, promote on my own time and on my own terms and not wait for a contract then like two years later, the book will finally be out. And then I need to promote it for that big corporate, you know, publishing company for them to make money with it. Um, That just doesn't feel right. I made this book. I made it now. I have this whole momentum going around it. Now I want to just scream like I did this and you can get it. You know, it's for you. (laughs) Take it. So... And I think uh, once that whole part of creating the book is behind me, I will get more ideas like, okay, now I know how to actually do a video, do something live, whatever. It will it'll come. Yeah. And I really like that, you know, this taking this uh, decision to tap into your own rhythms, like having yeah. multiple book launches is something that firstly, it is highly recommended to all independent publishers that don't think of one book, uh, independent authors, don't think of one book launch and then, you know, put all your chips and eggs in one basket, put all your elephants in one basket, if that's where we're going. (laughs) Uh, But uh, what you should do is everywhere you go is a book launch. Every place you visit, every person you meet, everywhere you meet five or six people, that is what you should think of as a book launch. And this yeah. is exactly the idea that for the next couple of years, wherever you feel like having a book event, you're you're launching your book again. Who's to say exactly. a book is launched once? Yeah, it's so, true. Uh, uh, some ideas for how uh, you were mentioning, like uh, not being completely sure about the different ways to sell it. Some ideas that occur to me, some things that I'm curious about. And one thing that I did, which I really enjoyed, and I think especially your true fans will really, really enjoy is that, and I'm sure you've thought of this, is that you have a bunch of books with you that you sign and give out to your special uh, followers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm planning to have like uh, a, a bunch of books uh, whenever I teach workshops or go somewhere, I'll, I'll take mm-hmm. it with me. So I can, yeah, definitely. That's one of the things that, that seems also really fun. And I've actually also gotten questions from people like can I order one that has your you know can you can you put something in there I'm like I'm sorry mm-hmm, it's print exactly. on demand I can't do that but maybe at some event like 
I can definitely. No, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I would, I would ask you to uh, order some books <clears throat> home and keep like a copy, like maybe fifty copies stay with you at home that you number exactly. one to fifty. These are the ones that are going out from your home, and right. they have a premium value. They have special yeah. value to not only you but only to those fifty other people who might want it. And I'm sure those fifty people exist. So it's worth yeah. doing it for them. I think because it's it is something special and. Like I, you, when I was selling my book in Eau Claire and when I was selling it in person, I would uh, draw portraits for everyone because I was selling it in person exactly. and they were standing in front of me. So I would say, okay, let's, now that you've bought it, let's chat for five minutes and I'll draw you and I'll also get to know you and we'll get to know each other. And that became so like a fun. really, so fun to do. Uh, secondly, yeah. I learned how to draw people better. I wanted to get some <laughs> practice. <laughs> Third, yeah. I got to speak to these people that I would never speak to. Like I would not go out of my way to tap 200 people on the shoulder during a farmer's market and be like, hey, what do you think of art? But now they were telling me what they thought of art, how they had drawn or not drawn when they were young and why they had bought my book, you know, customer feedback, instantaneous customer yes. feedback. Like what made you decide that while flipping this book suddenly like oh I want this yes, so there is I something to be that. said for setting up a stall somewhere and just sitting and seeing who walks by and is made curious by this beautiful title life is better when you draw it yeah so I have a question for you because um do you uh as you are now considering like your next book to either self-publish or find a publisher what are the core values that you want to hold on to for the book yeah 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 that's a that's a great point because uh so for me a lot of things have changed since the first book firstly the fact that since 2020 i am also writing and hitting the publish button every week with my newsletter so right. this has been hun more than a hundred weeks almost a hundred weeks or more than a hundred weeks that's almost a hundred weeks of publishing every week, saying something about my art, making a case for sneaky art, saying something useful that occurred to me from these conversations that I've had with Urban Sketchers. Yeah. So uh, how I think of what I'm doing, my understanding of my audience, all of that has completely changed. So the core idea of the book, if it were to go with a publisher, is that I am... I already have a short list of the kind of publishers I want to work with. Right. Because yeah. I, what I did was I did a recon reconnaissance of these uh, bookstores. And I looked at in the relevant sections, what are the books that match my mission, that match yeah. my values? And who's the person who happened to publish them? And exactly. I have found yeah. a few publishers who I believe uh, resonate with the values that I have, not only around... Uh, like how can a book look like it doesn't have to have an art book should not necessarily have how to do instructions this is one mm -hmm. thing that was like I wanted to see a publisher who is happy to have that not be the case but also then uh, how what is the diversity of work that they've published what are the different interest things that they find interesting and if I find a publisher who finds a lot of things interesting a lot of variety of art interesting then it is more likely that they have a more holistic understanding of audiences and who to pitch to whom to sell to uh, the process in the US at least as I've understood it in North America is that you first find a literary agent and then the literary ah. agent uh, 
is uh, and uh, you find them by pitching a book to them yeah. but you have a literary agent after they are convinced that your book is worth it and then they help you reach publishers and help you reach a good uh, contract with them and etc etc all of those things um i have thought about what would change if i went this way firstly i put it as just me needing to be more ambitious but a part of being more ambitious is that uh, firstly you think bigger so you i have to think beyond the limits of my vancouver audience my british columbia audience i have to think about a global audience mm-hmm. and i have to think about what are the other current books i have to give a damn about the competitive titles and yep. whether i compete with them whether i am part of the same wave as them whether the same person will buy me as bought this or someone will make a choice between the two so i have to think a little bit about that and i wouldn't think that if i did self publishing if i did self publishing i would literally think exactly the way that you did i would think of the audience i already have yeah and i would think about what is it that i want to share with them that they want from me now mhm i think that's really interesting because even you know if you go the route for the you know finding an agent finding a publisher um and then even ha- halfway you decide no i'm self publishing all of that because i have done all of that i've written a proposal i've you know given them like chapter uh, samples i've i've done a pitch i've i've written all of it and i learned mm-hmm. so much about what yeah. my book was going to be because of that i learned about okay so what are the also the the feedback that i got from them okay so what are my values does it fit you know what do i want this book to be exactly it gave me such a great basis for the um the tone of the book the the feeling of the book all of that so maybe i did i don't you know it's a good thing that i started thinking i wanted to find a publisher because i went through all of that it's such great uh basic research for what you're going to make in the end yeah. it doesn't even yeah. matter how it's it's going to find you know the shelves yeah absolutely like the the final form that it takes regardless it's a very useful exercise and it is so important it really to is. take a step back and sometimes it's like a bitter pill to swallow when you get feedback that you don't agree with it oh, hits boy, you in yeah. your creativity and yeah. you know your creative side is outraged but then uh, for me it works this way that i take some time and i'll uh, it'll simmer in my mind and it will bounce around uh, and then i will come to the understanding from their point of view that you know they're not wrong at all actually exactly. why am i not doing exactly that thing and then yeah. i'll just change everything according to what i railed against and what made me so mad i'll completely agree with it and i'll change everything accordingly i think it's so important to be dispassionate in this way and we find it difficult you know the closer we are to a long term creative project like the longer it lives inside your mind i inside yeah. your mind and in your books and in your work and in your doc google docs i think that we lose like the missing the forest for the trees you know we lose perspective of what exactly it is for what it it is and that's why you have these things that are your darlings when you hesitate to kill these ideas because you've lived exactly. with them so long but it's perfectly reasonable that they don't work in the book and so you have to cut it out 
so mm-hmm. this it's been it's been great just pursuing the path of traditional publishing even if that never happens like i love exactly. this idea of putting in 500 words or less what is the audience for this book such an important right. thing to do right right it's hard it's really hard but once you have it you know then then you just you can just build on that and also like the the book pitch the proposal I really build on that. I think the expertise of those people with so much experience, you can really surf on that, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Um, I, I thank you so much, Kosha, for your time. I know that uh, you didn't you have much more than again. an hour today. But this was such a lovely conversation. I'm so really happy was. to hear about this book because, you know, I give ideas just because I have them in my head, but mm-hmm. the idea that someone would take it and run with it, and then now there's a book from it is ridiculous. <laughs> so <laughs> please, please sell thousands of copies so that I can say that my ideas are good. Yes. <laughs> I will do my best. So thank you. And thank you for inviting me again. I love these conversations and I always love yeah. listening to your podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. And I I love that we had this conversation because now I'm going to see this book of yours in this light and mm-hmm. the things that pan out now. Like, I feel like we have two data points. We have this one right before you went down this path. We talked about the book and I'm going to share that postscript portion also with the audience. So they know the context of our conversation and the journey of this conversation, actually, that this is part two of a very specific aspect of our previous conversation. Exactly. I I like having the second data point. And maybe when we meet later in the year, hopefully we meet. I'm planning a Euro trip. So hopefully we meet and then we can have a part three of this conversation, not necessarily recorded, but in which I understand better about what you're doing, how the selling is going and where the new stumbling blocks are because of course there are new obstacles in the path and you will meet these challenges very soon. Part of the elephant. The elephant (laughs) in the room. I don't know. That's something different. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is the elephant on the dining table. So this is a different uh, situation with the elephant. (laughs) Isn't it the coffee table? (laughs) Sorry. Coffee table book, whatever. you dear listener for your time and your attention i hope you enjoyed this episode kosher's book is quite excellent for people who read cover to cover but it is also suitable for people like me who open random pages of the books they love and look for sudden inspiration every few pages she's got these sections called try this or try that and they give you ideas for how you can bring drawing into your life even when you think you do not have the time for it To buy her book, Life is Better When You Draw It, find the link in the episode description. To listen to our original conversation where I tell Kosher about self-publishing, follow the link in the episode description as well. A special shout out to all the lovely people who support this show. In just one year, the Sneaky Art Insiders Club has grown to over 100 members. And this season, I'm hoping to take it past 200. If you are a fan of the work I do and would like to support my independent ventures, here are three good things you can do. Number one, share this podcast with other people who might enjoy it. Nothing is better than finding new listeners. 
So please help me find some more. Number two, if you like this episode, tap the button to buy me a coffee and say hi. Buying me a coffee is a wonderful discretionary way to help keep this show going and also to initiate a conversation about your favorite episode or guest or maybe just to make a suggestion. I always love to hear from listeners. Number three, if you're a fan of this show, consider becoming a Sneaky Art Insider. Insiders commit to supporting the show monthly or annually in exchange for all kinds of excellent privileges and giveaways. Thank you again for listening. I'm glad to have you here. New episodes coming up soon. <laughs>